What's up, Biker Bar? This is Robert. Oh, man, I'm still screwing this intro up. I'm trying to get this new Biker Bar intro in, and I just can't do it. I'm so used to saying, what's up, YouTube, that I can't say, what's up, Biker Bar? So apparently, I must not be supposing, supposing to change that. So let's try this again. What's up, Biker Bar? I'm Robert, and here we are again on episode 33, and uh, today's guest is going to be Fazari Bikes, but before that, you get to hear me ramble on about why you should go check out my Instagram, because I'm always posting pictures over there, what's going on. Um, if you're not a part of my social media, you probably miss out on a lot of stuff, so definitely check that out. Either choose one, Facebook or Instagram. I guess you could choose Twitter. I don't think that, that there's not shit going on over there, except for basically links back to my Instagram. So um, go ahead and check that out. It's at BikerB1. So all three of those is at BikerB1. Like and subscribe and tell your buddies and whatever the hell you're supposed to do with that. Make smoke signals and shit. I don't know. <laughs> Outside of that, I want to thank everybody who uh, signed up for my Patreon. I really appreciate that. It's definitely what keeps this channel going. I um, ran into some stuff that I had to pick out, pick up this week. My light freaking died. I, I need, I need to ride at night because it's going to get hot and hot and hot here and uh it's fun to ride at night so hopefully uh thanks to you guys that'll be that'll be part of the deal and i screwed up my, my rim in sedona so thanks to you guys that's getting fixed thanks i really really do appreciate that if you have a chance to stop by at patreon.biker.com for a buck a month you can get access to some of the coupons that i have with some of the, the vendors that i've talked to as well as um just help me out i think if you uh enjoy the show it's only a buck that sounds like a plan to me or five bucks if you want to get some stickers it's up to you how long you want to hang out there but you send five you sign up for five bucks that's the uh, happy hour crew get a sticker pack right away and uh there's some extra content there so moving on from that like i said a minute ago today's guest is fazari bikes if you guys aren't familiar with them this is going to be an interesting interesting uh conversation i'll let uh, tyler from fazari bikes go ahead and introduce himself and and them and we'll go from there thanks for having me um yeah like i said my name is tyler uh i uh i've been at fazari bikes here for about 10 years fazari's been around since about 2006 a lot of people don't know that a lot of people think hey it's only been two three years uh, but it's actually, uh, we're going on 13 years here. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. So it's, it's been a little while. It's been, it's been a trip. That's for sure. It's a uh, name. It, it's a name that I've heard like pop up, you know, here and there, but I would have thought you were a newer bike company too. We've, uh, we've hit a big splash here the last few years. Um, you know, with some new products that we released and then, and a few things like that, but, I mean, just kind of the quick background on us, we're, uh, we are a direct-to-rider bike manufacturer. We're based in Utah. Uh, we're about 30 minutes south of Salt Lake City. Um, and we build really high-end bikes. Um, that being said, we do have a really competitive pricing. Um, everything we do, we custom build each bike to each rider uh, based on their sizing. Uh, also, we have the op options to be able to change out componentry and get the build that you want. Really, really high-end quality. Um, we run lifetime warranties on every single one of our frame, including all of our carbon suspension frames, carbon road frames, everything. Um, and then selling rider direct, you know, we're able to offer the customization a little bit better. Um, you know, and there is a little bit of a cost savings there. But you know, that being said, we start bikes at four hundred dollars, and you know, mm -hmm. all the way up. You know, if you follow some of our social media, you saw, you saw a uh, a full decked-out enduro bike with XTR and NV wheels, and that we posted just the other day. And we hit everything in between. Um, you know, and, and we're really trying to build the absolute best bikes that we can. 
mm-hmm. um, and and offer a little bit little bit something unique with the customizations that we run and and really just make biking a, a better experience. That's crazy. I, I, I there's so much that you just said there. I'm like trying to like make sure I remember it all enough to talk about it. One of the things that you said was the lifetime warranty. Does that carry like is that carry with the bike or is that with the first purchaser? Or? That, that's with the first purchaser. Okay. Yeah, just just kind of like most most every warranty, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. First purchaser, it's something we want to stand behind. Yeah. Um, you know, the testing standards that we run everything at, um, we're, we're really strict. Um, uh-huh. We're really, really, really hands on from every aspect. Um, that's one of the cool things about about being being rider direct is is we get to do everything from the full product design and what the product is um, to the marketing story and you know obviously the business side of things and you know the pricing, the strategy warranty um all the way to after sale support so we get the entire you know sales cycle all the way through um which is pretty fun and pretty unique and so you know having the warranty that is something that we really decided that that was really important to us as riders what we wanted to have and so you know we were working really hard on the design to make that an actual viable option for riders and for a product Somebody on the chat mentioned that you guys have a 30 day guarantee or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's what's another it, thing. That's something we rolled out about a year ago. So we what's do, that all about? We call it our love it or return it policy. Um, and so what you can do is, is, you know, being rider direct, a lot of the times you aren't able to demo the bike. Right. Um, we are doing everything we can to be out. You know, I, you know, we met at Sedona or Sedona festival. We'll be outer bikes. We've been at the outer bikes in the past. Um, come see us at sea otter um, here in a few weeks. Um, we'll be there as well. But what we do is buy a bike from us, ride it on your own trails for 30 days. And if you don't love it, return it and we'll pay for the return shipping. We're fine. Oh, wow. So, That's crazy. But, you know, we're so confident in our product alone, um, what mm-hmm. we do kind of in the design, um, as well as, as really the fit process that we have. It's something unique. We call it our 23 point custom setup. And we can talk a little bit more about that um, as well. But we go through this whole entire interview process and fit process that, and we fully assemble, build, test ride every single bike um, that we really just want riders to have the best option. We're, we're really trying to make it a, a, a win-lose, meaning a lose for Fazari, right? We're doing everything we can to eliminate <laughs> those barriers. Um, you know, we're really just making the best bike that we can um, and offering that. So it is that hurdle. It's like, oh, you know, I'm going to spend three, four, five thousand dollars $5,000 on a bike I've never ridden. Am I even going to like it? So we're, we're doing everything we can. Um, you know, that being said, the return rates have been next to zero. Um, yeah, and it's it's really everything that we're trying to do. Um, you know, you buy a bike online, you're going to get a phone call from us. We talk to every single customer to learn more about them, to make sure that the measurements we have from them to sizing their bike is correct. That the you know where they're riding, they're on the right bike in the first place. We really just want to have the best experience. Yeah, there was a conversation. I think it was a conversation I had last week on the on the podcast where we were talking about um, just people that don't really. Re- recognize you know what their problems are when they're first starting like they don't they haven't been riding long enough to be able to like get on a bike like for me and i'm like oh stem's too long or oh i don't like the seat it's probably not wide enough or you know i prefer my c2 bangle to be more like this because i like it you know what i mean like yeah so i would imagine i mean most of the people are probably ordering bikes from you that have been riding for a while but even some people that have been are maybe not riding the right bike how do you go about like i guess what's in this in in this fit process that that actually makes that work yeah well we actually get both um we get very first time riders and then we get the guys that 
have been building bikes ground up in their garage for years. They're lacing their own wheels. They're changing their, I mean, doing everything for making sure they, they're tuning wheels with spokes. I mean, that's how in depth right. these guys are sometimes. Right. right. Um, you know, so we're, we're really getting the full spectrum. Um, so, so the newer riders that you're seeing, then, then they're probably, you know, kind of just looking for somebody to really help them through the buying process and, and pick the right bike. Sure. Yeah. 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 So what the 23 point custom setup involves as far as far as measurements, the reason why this whole thing came about and why we did it is, is you get everybody that's, you know, everyone's sized and proportioned a little bit different. The example I like to use is you get one rider who's five foot 10, who might have a 30 inch inseam length. And the next rider who's five foot 10 might have a 35 inch inseam length. Right. And the rider with that long inseam short torso might need a shorter stem or a narrower bar or a wider bar and vice versa. And usually it's like, Hey, you're five foot 10 here, fit on this large. And you're kind of stuck with whatever you get. And that's the traditional model, right? And so we're looking at this going, hey, that guy's going to buy or that rider, whoever is going to buy a bike. And then they're going to spend another 80 bucks to change a stem and, you know, yeah. 100 bucks to change a bar width or whatever it may be. And we go, wait, we're building these bikes right. We're building them anyways. Let's just build them right from the get-go. So we get a bunch of measurements, height, inseam, torso, shoulder width, arm length, age, weight, riding style. And then we even do that little mini interview, right? So you buy it online. We're going to call you. You're going to get a phone call and we go through and we size all that thing. And, and we get riders of like, whatever you recommend. Cool. Um, you know, we've done thousands and thousands of these bikes and we actually have a lot of fit data, um, mm -hmm. you know, from this and a lot of feedback. Um, and then being riders ourselves too, um, you know, kind of what works and what doesn't work. Um, and then we get people that go, Nope, I want my bars exactly 775. I want this length stem. I know the geometry It's going to ride like this. Um, you know, I want my, my stack height to be this, um, on the road bikes, we've even had people, it's like, Hey, this is my old road bike. It's worn out. I've gone in and had a full, like, you know, professional fit session. Here's my numbers. Here's exactly what I want my stack reach drop to be on my road bike. Um, and we go in and we match those. We're fully building the bike and we'll match everything out. So mm -hmm. we will, we'll hit, we'll hit both extremes. Um, and, and really just making sure that the rider has a good experience. How do you deal with the guy that wants the thing that's wrong for him? <laughs> um, like, like for, for me, like I've gone in and got a fit on my road bike before and then was like, these guys are fucking idiots, man. I'm dropping my seat back down or I'm pushing it back up. I'm like, I am not comfortable at all. I don't believe that crap. You know? so, so yeah, I mean, that's a tough one, right? I mean, that, that really <laughs> just comes out of communication. Um, right. And, and, and everybody's going to be different. Um, and I think it's a lot of it is talking to people. Um, like I said, I, I keep bringing up, you know, the experience, the experience. That's one thing that we feel. We don't feel like we're really selling a bike. We kind of joke about this internally and it's, it's starting to turn external a little bit, but, but internally, you know, when we have our staff meetings and we talk about training and we talk about builds and we talk about just customer service, we, we, we talk amongst ourselves of we're not selling a bicycle. We're selling an experience that happens to include a bicycle. Yeah. Right. So it's every interaction from what you're seeing on the website, what you're seeing on social media, what you're seeing when you call in, if you call in and talk to us, chat through the website or email or whatever it may be. Um, so the difficult customer that, you know, quote unquote, difficult customer, right. We talk with them, we, mm -hmm. we have a conversation. Um, you know, we've had it in the past where it's like some guy who's five or six foot. We just had one a little while ago, six foot tall. And he's like, yeah, I need a medium. I need a medium. Your reach number. I'm on a medium. Absolutely on a medium. And it's just like, man, you're like a large for sure. You know, we can change all these, but you know, we talk through it, you know, and he yeah. has his reasonings and things like that. Um, you know, but at the end of the day, you know, if somebody knows exactly what they want, 
you know, we'll, we'll, we'll help them enjoy that, you know, as long as they're happy. That being said, we're not going to reject a return or, or yeah, anything like yeah. that. We're more interested in getting people on bikes and having a good time. <clears throat> my, um, my personal like fit is more than likely I should sit on an extra large and, and I almost always get a large because I just like, it's like, I feel like it's a little bit more flickable mm-hmm. and I don't like, uh, I know I end up giving up something because of that. Like a lot of times my front end will be light because I have my, my seat super high compared to the frame, you know, but mm-hmm. I don't know. It's like, that's one of those things that would be like, for me, I would be like, man, I don't, how do I know they're going to give me what I want? You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Well, we're, it's not like there's this big mystery and we're hiding the cloak. And right, hiding right. the hide, you know, yeah, it's yeah. like we're, we're real people. And, 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 right. and that's the way that we look at everybody. We don't look at everybody. We don't look at customers as a transaction. We really yeah. kind of, we look at it as a family. It's like, once you buy a Fazari bike, like you're part of the family. Yeah. I feel like, like what you guys are doing as far as like changing out some of those point, those different parts, like that's like spot on, man. Cause exactly what you said, man, it rang so true to me is like, it irritates the shit out of me when you see people have to buy a bike and then buy like six other parts that to make it like fit them. Right. You know, and it's like, mm-hmm. Some shops will take care of people, you know, they'll, they'll swap things out, but maybe some shops won't do that or some shops will do it, but they're not really like one for one and you on the part, you know, so you might have to pay a little extra or something. So that's definitely, that's intriguing, you know, and I'll tell you as well, like the main, the, the reason that I, I reached out to you guys initially was, um, I saw one of your Facebook ads. I think that popped up and it was talking about that fit process. And I was like, wait a minute, they're making a custom bike for like every person. That's, that's, that's quite an experience, man. How do you guys quantify all that extra time and, and like resources that you put into that and keep the price low? Is it just because it's direct to consumer or? Uh, It's really hard. (laughs) (laughs) Um, what, What we're doing is not easy. Um, on any aspect, uh, just from, you know, from the sourcing side or building the website and getting the shopping cart ride and just the experience all the way around, uh, managing the inventory, just even on stem links, uh, or bar widths or things like that. Um, it can get difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I really think it, it, uh, it, you know, how do we, man, how do we make that make sense? It really comes down to, um, repeats and referrals. Mm-hmm. What are people saying about us? Are people coming back? Are people telling their friends mm-hmm. um, and, and really that experience um, and and somehow it's working. Um, we did we did a poll of about fifteen hundred customers a little while ago, mm-hmm. um, and we found that two thirds of our business is repeat and referral. Um, so we're doing something right. Yeah, um, no, that's a, you know that's we're good, we're looking to improve, right obviously. Uh, but uh, you know if if we're if we're able to to have people that are coming back time and time again getting another mountain bike or getting another road bike or getting one for a family member, or it's like, Hey, I got this bike. You got to go get one. You know, they're telling their friends and things like that. Um, you know, we kind of feel that that that's the, to us, that's the best gauge. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, is this working? How is it working? Um, what's our customer team doing? Um, and then any feedback we get, um, you know, it's like, Hey man, I got this and this didn't work or I didn't like this or any, any, any negative feedback we're getting as far as, you know, I don't like this product or I didn't like the customer service experience that I got, or, you know, I had an issue in this or whatever. We take those extremely serious. Mm -hmm. Um, Being a smaller company, we can elevate those things very, very, very quickly. Um, And so that's, and, and, and we, we try to make those changes very, very quick. So how, how long have you been with the company? Uh, It'll be 10 years this summer. 
10 years. So you were there pretty close to, to the beginning then, huh? Yeah, I, I joined. You said 2006, um, right? 2006. I, yeah. I, I came on in 2009. Right on. So it's it's been a little while. So how if and and anything if I ask you something you just don't know just be like I don't know dude. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so how did the company get started? Was it like somebody from another company, like another bike company? Was it just some dude that wanted to start trying to do this himself, or group of investors? Yeah. So uh, funny enough, uh, it's it's a single owner family business actually. Uh huh. Um, the guy that started his company, uh, started Fazari. His name's Chris. Uh-huh. Really down to earth. Uh, he's in the office as much or more than anybody else. He's there every single day. Um, you you meet him on the street, you wouldn't know that he owns a bike company. Um, for the sole fact that that he is just the most relatable, nicest guy you'll meet. Um, mm-hmm. And he rides like four or five, six days a week. We're finally getting a little bit of warm weather here in in, in northern Utah, um, but he's out all the time. Um, so his story is actually pretty cool. Um, he, he's always been outdoors, uh, always been into biking and things like that. I think you just kind of have to living and, and growing up here in Utah. Um, and he, uh, he was actually a corporate lawyer. Uh, mm-hmm. he worked in the corporate, corporate sector. Um, and he was traveling all the time. He was, uh, you know, leaving on Sunday, home on Friday or Saturday night, kids were getting bigger, missing things here and there. And, um, and, you know, just kind of, kind of saw, you know, a couple holes here and there, um, in, in the industry in general, he had been in the industry previously, um, doing, uh, he's actually doing e-bikes before e-bikes were cool. He was doing e-bikes <laughs> back in, in 2000. Wait a minute. Yep. E-bikes are cool. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, to each his own, right? Um, they make me giggle like a little girl when I ride them. So I, 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 I don't have any, I don't have any bad things to say. I just like fucking with people. <laughs> uh, so anyways, he was doing that and, you know, saw, saw a couple of things and was just traveling all over the place and, and just wanted to be around his family. And so he, he left the, the solid paycheck of corporate life to start a bike company of, of all things. And, you know, there's, there's kind of a joke, you know, an ongoing, like it's borderline dad joke, I guess of, you know, if you want to make a million bucks in the bike industry, start with two. Um, you know, it's just, you're just going to lose it all. Right. right. And so, you know, he, he went out on a limb and, and, and started this company and, you know, kind of bootstrapped it out of his garage. Um, and you know, I, I started with him and right, not too long after he moved it out of his garage and, and got some things going. And, um, over the years, the team has grown. Um, there's about 26 of us total right now. Um, and we're hiring like crazy right now because mm-hmm. <laughs> we're growing. Um, and it's, it's just grown from there, you know, and, and we've tried to constantly improve. Um, we've, we've, you know, added new programs, you know, the lover return it being one of them, um, that helps. And we've tried to build better products year after year after year. And that's hopefully something that, that is being seen. You know, we've, we've won some, some big awards here this, this last year or so with bike of the year from, from some media outlets and, and all the reviews you're seeing out there. But the biggest, you know, kind of what I mentioned earlier to us is the repeat and referral uh, from from customers. People that are buying our bikes, they're coming back time and time again, um, and they're willing to recommend us to their friends. So um, he basically had to learn how to source product and everything like that. I mean, he didn't have any experience with, I'm assuming you're not making your own carbon, right? And it's all contract manufacturing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so I mean. So we're doing the, all the 
so that's kind of my realm, actually. Um, my official title, um, which we're not fandoms anyways, um, is director of product development. And so uh -huh. I'm doing everything from managing, uh, doing all the product management, overseeing kind of like the design. You know, we've got designers and engineers and things like that. Um, sourcing, um, working with our factories. I'm actually headed to the factories. I'll be over there for two weeks. I'll leave Tuesday morning. I'll be over there for a couple of weeks. Um, Was this something you did for, with another company before or you kind of like learned your way into it too? Um, I've kind of learned my way into it. So I used to, uh, I worked for an engineering company, <laughs> totally different realm. It was uh, aquatics engineering actually. Oh wow. And so, you know, I just dabbled a little bit kind of in the, in the drafting and engineering world a little bit, but mostly, um, uh, you know, my, my background actually, I did a, I did a undergraduate degree in political science and then, mm -hmm. uh, I got an MBA, so I yeah. got a business degree. So hey, there you go, um, kids. get, get an education, go work at bike shop. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, I've, I've kind of learned it. You know, I've always been into bikes, obviously, you know, from a young age, I've worked in bike shops, um, you know, I've been around it. So, um, and just kind of the outdoor industry in general, um, you know, so it's, uh, ever since I could legally hold a job, I've yeah, kind of yeah. been doing this, no, that's awesome. you know, um, yeah. And just, you know, learning into it and, and being business in, and, you know, being fortunate enough at a younger age to be able to travel, um, yeah. and, and work with people and work with the business sector and, and kind of knowing what to look for. Um, I'm sure the MBA willing... definitely helped you be able to kind of do what you're doing right now. I I, I made a joke about the, the the education a second ago, but I mean, there's no way that that doesn't play into your success of what you're doing right now. Oh yeah, no, it's, yeah. it's, it's definitely, it's definitely something I've had to lean on, um, you know, for the business sense, but, but as much or more, kind of uh, the EQ, the soft skills, right? Mm -hmm. um, learning how to work with people and talking with people and things like that. Um, you know, but I think, you know, kind of our core principles on it, we, we kind of look at it, you know, as a company is, is we kind of look at ourselves a little bit like a SEAL team mm -hmm. where each member of SEAL team really, they kind of have like their specialty, mm -hmm. you know, they, they each, you know, you might have like a demo guy and you might have like a communications guy and, and things like that. And I'm not going to pretend to know about the world other than what I see in movies, right? Right. No, um, dude, you're on but it. We, of course that's but, obviously but, totally correct. <laughs> yeah, but they all can, you know, they all can kind of carry a little bit and help you out, help each other out, right? Right. Um, and so we kind of look at it the same way where it's like, you know, we, it's like our sales guys, like, yeah, the, you know, they're working in sales or marketing guys, but it's like, hey, can they go build a bike? Can they ride a bike? Um, we look at that, you know, can somebody jump in and help out on shipping? And we really look at it like that. It's like everybody has each other's backs. Um, you may work in your one little area, but it's like, Hey, when needed, you can jump in and you can help out and fill in every fill in all the other places. We really look Got at it. that, um, you know, and, and really try to put the customer first in those aspects and, and really work together. That's really how, you know, kind of, we operate. Um, you know, we, we try to make that, we hope that comes through in the experience for the customer. Um, uh, but just internally as a company, um, mm -hmm. super fun place to work, you know, yeah. it, it, wouldn't be that way if I, if, you know, for sticking around for, for this long. And we have a really, really, really great group of people. Um, what, everybody's what, just amazing. What makes it so fun to work there? I don't feel like I'm going to work. Um, my, my wife actually jokes with me that I probably work too much, not as much out of necessity, but out of, you know, kind of a hobby. <laughs> like I like it. I enjoy it. You know, uh -huh. um, it's something that I'm passionate about. It's, it's fun to be creative. Um, it's fun to go, Hey, what if we built this type of product? Um, you know, you're, you're seeing that recently with, uh, our LaSalle peak our, our enduro bike that we launched last August. Um, you know, just, in a, you know, kind of quick story. An example on that one is, 
Uh, one thing that's really set that bike apart is our seat tube angle. We're running a 78 degree seat tube, seat tube angle. It's one of the steepest ones out there. Um, and frankly, that was really scary, really scary. You know, when we were working on this bike a few years ago, you know, everything was like 74, Wait, 75 said, degrees. What, what, what kind of bike is this? It's our enduro bike. It's our, you know, 150, 160 travel, long travel 29er. With a 78? 78 degrees. I don't even understand what's going on there. Yeah, super steep. Yeah, yeah, super steep. And this what's is the, the one that's winning all sorts of reviews. It's our LaSalle Peak. Oh, L-A-S-A-L. Now I so feel it's like actually I... named after LaSalle Peak in near Moab. That's were, where you we guys, were you guys demoing that whenever you were down in Sedona? Yep, and we were cleaned out all weekend. <laughs> that doesn't even make any sense to me at all. Like everything is slack, right? Like that's what it's all. Why the hell did you guys decide to do that? Now you threw me off. I had a bunch of other questions to answer, asked. <laughs> <laughs> Seventy-eight degrees. Um, yeah. It was scary, and you know, it, yeah, it really was scary. Um, at the time, you, like I was saying, everything's seventy-three and a half, seventy-four, seventy-five was really pushing the envelope. Um, you know that the whole numbers were like. 65 head tube, 75 seat tube, you know, and here this. Yeah, I think that's what I'm screwing up with right now. I'm thinking head tube angle for some reason. So, yeah, okay. Now I'm I'm tracking again. All right. But, yeah, that is still pretty steep. Yeah. So, we did it for a couple of reasons. Um, You know, with with now that dropper post prices have come down and you can get a dropper post on everything, you run that steep of a seat tube angle on a bike without a dropper post, um, and you're just going to get kicked right over the front. You know, that saddle is going to come up and hit you. But now that we can get dropper posts on everything, we basically looked at it and said, why don't we build a bike that is in a strong seated pedaling position? Cause we pedal bikes seated right, and we right. descend mountain bikes standing up. So let's build a bike for a seated position and build a bike for a descending standing position. Right. And so with going to 78 degrees, it does a couple of things. One, it gets you up over the front of the bike a little bit better. Um, and that allows you to keep fr- uh, weight on the front wheel over the steep technical climbs. But it also allows you allows you to get the crank up over the top of the bottom bracket a little bit easier as well. Um, it also does a couple of things like in your in your seated position. When you're seated on a bike, um, what you basically need to do, you're basically doing leg presses, right? And so if you go to a gym and you do leg presses or squat and you have a rounded back, you're going to hurt your back. Um, and so to get your core engaged enough when you're on a bike seated, you actually have to roll your hips back. Um, to be able to engage that core. And with a really slack seat tube angle, you have to roll your hips even further. Um, so one of the kind of the, the secondary advantages of that steep seat tube angle is to get your core engaged for a strong pedaling position, you don't have to roll your hips, you roll your hips as far. Um, a lot of people don't have the flexibility to get in that strong position. That's why it's like you hear people that are that are newer or that haven't ridden for a while and they get back into it and like, oh, my back kills me, my lower back kills me, I need to be taller, I need to be taller. It's like, ah, you actually just need to engage your core a little bit more by rolling your hips, but a lot of people don't have that flexibility. Um, mm. It's kind of just a side side benefit of it, but it's really, it's that pedaling position. It's being up on top of the bottom bracket, getting the cranks up over a little bit easier. Um, and then as well as, you know, helping keep that weight on that front, that front end. Um, that That's the whole thinking, um, you know, and why we did that. Um, but yeah, we launched this bike in August and it has gone absolutely insane for us. Um, what's been kind of cool too, is, is it was, it was really hard going on that limb, going all the way up to 78. Cause like I said, you know, the bikes at the time, like right before we launched really the steepest thing out there was 75, you know, there's some, you know, there's a couple bikes out there that were, were, you know, pushing that envelope, you know, um, but most major brands were right in that 75 mark. 
Um, and then what's cool is, you know, we launched this bike in August and then within, I don't know, four to six weeks, there was a couple other bikes that came out that were, you know, 76, 77, right in that realm as well. And so, so you guys um, were onto something a little, that, yeah, we felt we were really yeah. onto something. Yeah. Um, you know, get, let me say the development cycle is really long. It's not like, it's like, yeah. oh, I launched something and changed it. Will but, you but, I mean, see that in the future? I think you will. Right. I think but I mean, more and more brands here in the next couple of years, everything's going to get steeper. Yeah, I think, but I think what I was getting at is like, if you see a couple other companies doing it, then it's like, you know, other people are thinking the same thing. You know what I mean? So it's not like you went out and you're just like tossed a, you know, pulled a number out of a hat and was like, I'm going to try this. You you know what I mean? Obviously there was some, some good thought behind it. And I think, you know, that's one of the things about, you know, a good mountain bike is that people, I mean, everybody's talking about it. It's like, how well does it climb? Like you, like you said, we're not sitting down whenever we're descending. So like that seat's just slammed and you want, you want it to be nimble and kind of, you know, have, have good characteristics that way. But that seat doesn't have anything to do with that. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, you really look at it like your touch points when you're, when you're descending are your, your cranks, which is essentially, you know, attached to your bottom bracket. So it's like, what's my reach, you know, center of the bottom bracket to horizontal distance set another bracket, bottom bracket to center of the head tube, top of the head tube. That's what you're going to be feeling in your, in your descending position. You know, with that steeper seat tube angle, it does shorten the effect of top tubes a little bit, mm-hmm. but you know, in our opinion, that's okay because mm-hmm. you're going to get your hips engaged, you know, instead of being all the way back, you know, like this, you're actually sitting up a little bit taller, um, you know, and opening up that chest, be able to get, you know, a little more airflow and, and, and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that, and that's on the enduro side, right? That is designed for enduro bikes that are designed to be pedaled uphill and then really railed downhill. You know, if you look at more of our cross countries bike, we're not quite as steep because those are those are more meant for you know pedaling on flat ground, mm-hmm. um, hammer, hammer, hammer. You know that that's really how those bikes are ridden. They're ridden a little bit different, so you'll see those you know in the seventy five degree range. So where you guys say every bike is custom. Um, you're not changing the frame up for people though, are you? It's just like, just in all the, the additional pieces. Correct. Yeah. No, we have our frames that are standard. It's everything else on the frame that we're changing. Right. Um, so, you know, so we'll change, you know, stack height, stem bar, um, you know, crank arm lengths. Uh, one of the cool things we do now, you, you know, speaking of dropper posts is we change the dropper post length for your inseam, not for frame size. Oh, there you go. Right? So it's like, Hey, I want to, I'm getting a medium size frame. You know, to be safe, you know, it's like, let's put a 125 mil dropper on every medium just so that, that, you know, the person with the shorter end team, they're going to fit it because there's nothing worse than riding a bike and the dropper post is too long and yeah. you hit it up and you're, you're sitting too tall. So you kind of kind of have to like work it back down. Yeah. So the more accurate the measurement can be on the end seam, we have a guide how to take that. We will go in and we will swap out your dropper post and we'll give you the longest dropper po- post possible, which is usually the norm. You know, granted, we've had some people that's like on the cross country side, it's like, no, I only want a hundred mil post because I want it a little bit lighter um, or whatever else reason we've done that before. Um, you know, that being said, there are custom builds. Um, like if you go to our Instagram right now, you'll see that, that LaSalle peak, it's got uh, XTR 9,100 on it. It's got MBM six wheels, um, full Fox suspension. That one, that build you won't see on our website. Um, that is somebody emailed in and said, Hey, I want this stuff. Can you get it? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, luckily timing worked out that we had our, our XTR parts coming in and we did a full custom build or it's like, um, you know, we have people that are requesting, uh, like DVO suspension, um, which is killer suspension. We don't have that on our website 
or you know some other i want an oval chain ring or can you get me these grips or can you do something like that um you know and some of the parts there might be a cost difference obviously from what's comes come stock on there mm-hmm. um you know but it is something that we're able to do and it's something we're able to change out you know we kind of look at it, it's like we're building your bike anyways it's not something that's just you know shows up from from taiwan kitted in a box and we you know throw it right back out on the fedex truck mm-hmm. is we literally are building and test riding and tuning every single bike so when you get a bike from us it's been test ridden the suspension has been set we have the option to ship you the bike set up tubeless ready to go you know adjust your tire pressure but it's taped it's sealed it's it's really ready to ride when you get the bike you'll need something to cut some zip ties um Put on the four bolts with the uh, just on the front of the front of the stem. We include the tools to do that. Put in your front wheel. Put in your pedals. Set your max saddle height and go for a ride. Shifters oh, wow. are tuned. Bed and process is already started on your brakes. Um, suspension is set up, um, which is kind of cool. Is like you'll see that around on a few reviews that have come out recently. Um, that is the norm. That is how we do things, um, mm-hmm. and because we really want that a better experience for the customer. You know, so you say you're basically that, putting on the handlebars and the pedals and what was what was the other thing? Just set the seat to the front, seat front wheel and and max saddle height. Uh-huh. Um, most most every single bike we ship the dropper post installed. Uh huh. It's inserted all the way in the frame. It's compressed all the way down. Um. So just you know set your max saddle height and put on the front wheel with the with the through axle and hmm. and go for a ride. It's really simple. It's there's there's videos floating around from a few years ago. That people are literally filming themselves like real time and the video is like 14 and a half minutes yeah yeah I, I can believe it so. i mean from what you told me right there i mean you could show up with the, the box in the back of your truck at the trailhead and put it together and go you really I mean, it's it's really not that much much going on there no so you said you include cool. the tools too it's just uh yeah just like a little pack of like allen wrenches and pedal wrenches and stuff like that that's cool so, it's all set cool. up right on so um what is the what what is the part that that you you guys have like kind of swapped out the most? Probably the stem. Um, st- stems and bars probably. Um, uh-huh. Stems, bars, uh, road bikes. You know, after that's probably saddle offset. Mm-hmm. Um, with what we're doing based on on people's measurements, stems by far are the number one thing that we change. Um, uh, we adjust fork lengths, obviously, um, you know, with, with what people are doing and what they want to have. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's the biggest, um, you know, and then after that, you know, it comes to componentry, it comes to, you know, special spec or, or things like that. Um, you know, on a lot of our bikes, we have options to change tires because tires are pretty subjective to kind of where you're riding. Yeah. That's a big Uh, difference. You know, here in, nor- in northern Utah, uh, where we have kind of pebbly over hard surface in a lot of places, I like narrow tires. I run personally run 2.3s, oh, wow. um, which are considered narrow, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, but I run like 2.3s because I want my tire to bite through that pebbly into the hard below. Um, but if I go to the desert or, or like Moab, you know, we're only three hours from Moab, we're lucky. Um, you know, I'll put on maybe two fives, um, even two six. We've got a couple of bikes. You know, our LaSalle Peak and our Signal Peak cross-country bikes um, will handle 29.26s. And so I'll put bigger tires uh, because they do a little bit better flotation through the sand or rock or things like that. So we, we do have the ability to change some things out like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's like we're, we're getting people on our cross-country bike where it's, it's uh, kind of that aggressive cross-country that, you know, we do run more of a cross-country tread on there right now. Um, that's our Signal Peak. 
Um, we do get people that want, you know, Maxis minions. Um, mm-hmm. So we'll swap out minions for them or, you know, whatever it may be. So, um, yeah, you know, so it's, it's, you know, stems, bars, cranks, um, seat posts, you know, and then probably next after that is tires, mm-hmm. um, you know, in componentry. How, how, how do you guys like broker good pricing on all those parts? I mean, like part of the deal of like getting, you know, certain set of tires on a bike's you know, what you're, how you're selling it is that you can, you know, approach that company and say, Hey, I'm buying, you know, 50,000 tires, give me a good deal. You know what I mean? So like, how does that work out when you, you're kind of one off in a lot of stuff? Um, we work really, really hard on our supply chain and our inventory management. Um, Uh that that's really what it comes down to. Um, and, and doing our, doing our very, very, very best to, um, you know, make sure our suppliers are happy. Um, it's not all about us. Um, you know, we might have, have the big, huge, you know, name on the down tube of the bike. Um, but there's a whole bunch of other companies involved and, and very crucial companies. Um, and so we look at the supplier relationship is extremely important. Um, you know, they have our backs as far as, as warranty, you know, we may acquire the customer, you know, on the, you know, on the business side, we may acquire the customer and they might be a Fazari customer. Um, but kind of secondhand, you know, they're, a they're a SRAM or a Shimano customer or a Fox or a, a DVO or a RockShox or mm-hmm. whatever, cut you know, Maxis or whatever the tire company is. They're their customer as well. Um, and time and time again, um, those companies have come to our aid. Uh, you know, for example, you know, this isn't the, the typical case. Um, you know, one, one instance, we had, a, we had an issue with a wheel failure um, from, from a wheel company. Um, you know, the customer got back to us, like, hey, this isn't working. Um, bike was two days old. It was obviously a failure, um, you know, with videos and, and everything like that. Um, you know, this is an extreme case, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Just note that big asterisk right there. Right. No, um, shit happens. You man. know, we, we sent the stuff, we sent the stuff to the wheel company and they go, Oh man, that shouldn't happen. Um, you know, they know our model. They work with us a lot. We buy a lot of wheels from them, a lot of componentry from them. Um, and they go, yep. Where is this customer at? What's their address? And later that day or the next day, brand new wheel was on its way to the customer. Um, just, know. just like that. I mean, it's so cool to be able to have that to work with so many good people um, in the industry that they're willing to do that. Um, you know, so it's it's uh, yeah, the pricing thing. Um, pricing is difficult. Uh, we work really, really, really hard at it. Um, we spend a lot of time with our supply chain, and we spend a lot of time with inventory management. Um, so, and- are you going like direct to those companies? Like, how does that work? Do you go direct to those companies, or do you have like a reseller and they go to those? Like. Like, are you calling Maxis up and saying, hey, dude, with this how many tires we need? Or do you go to like another company? Yeah, we work directly with all the companies. Okay, um, I see. Yeah, we work. Yeah, we definitely work direct with them. I, I wasn't sure of the, how it worked in the, I'm not, you know, I'm not, not in the industry. Yeah, so, so it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's OEM. So it's original equipment, right? Yeah. So we're, we're building the frame. We're building the complete bicycle. We're selling the complete bicycle. And so we work directly with, uh, you know, all the component suppliers um, of, you know, of, you know, here's what we're going to buy. Here's when we're going to buy it. Um, so forecasting, yeah, that one's, uh, right. I spend a lot of time on forecasting. That one's really difficult. If We're anybody can about get a perfect for- forecast, let me know. Yeah. Talking about forecasting. So you said that you had a forecasted number of how many of those, uh, those, uh, Enduro bikes you were going to sell this year. And what was the percentage that you're at right now? So originally we were like, oh man, this is going to be a lot of bikes. And, uh, we didn't 
guess high enough. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we're uh, we're up four hundred percent on that bike. Yeah, so uh, forecasting was definitely forecast. a real real sh- fucking problem there. <laughs> yeah, and luckily, luckily we haven't had uh, huge huge like delays for customers. They we've been able to keep things uh, relatively in stock, you know, nothing more. We're typically, you know, we typically put one to two weeks on our build time. You place an order, bike shows up within one to two weeks. There's always been a few ca- rear cases where it's been, you know, three, four, five weeks max. Uh, yeah, I right back up, everything's in stock and, and we're rolling right now. And so that's where it comes back to the supply chain, right? Yeah. It's how, how, what do we do on our end? All of a sudden, hey, this product it it exploded. It, right. it was selling the daylights out of this bike. And how do we hurry and get a whole bunch more of it here? Right. Um, that was tricky. Um, but uh so far we've been able to pull through. Um, you know, I think, you know, I think our customers are happy. Um, if anybody's listening and, and they think otherwise, send send me the feedback. I'd love to hear it and how we can do it better. Yeah, I bought a uh a freaking Santa Cruz chameleon in August and I didn't get it until December, so <laughs> something was going wrong with the sli- supply chain there. <laughs> My understanding was there was some kind of problem with like the boat or something like that. That was like coming from, oh, from man. Asia or something like that. It was like all big hurricane or something like that. And I don't know either way. It was just like definitely a, a you know, a little bit of a letdown. I mean, I, fortunately I'm not like a super high stress strung type person so i didn't really stress about it too much but i could see somebody else like if they were really like say that was their first bike or something like that they would be really upset you know i, I was sure, 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 sure. to ride my other one so um have you guys have ever had something like that where it's just like completely like out of your hands and it kind of puts you guys back or yeah, I mean, we had a, a few years ago. Uh, I mean, everybody had it. It was every industry, though. When yeah. There was all the port strikes happening on the West Coast. I mean, mm-hmm. there was stuff. There was there's photos of boats lined up for a month. Um, we've had that. Um, we've also done things where you know we want to come through. We realize the value of a customer, right? We we want that repeat and referral. We work hard to get it. So if we have to, we'll eat air freight costs. Um, we've mm-hmm. done that before um, to get things over. Um, but supply chains, supply chain is, uh, it's difficult. It's extremely important. Um, you know, it's making sure that we get consistent product every single time, you know, we can, we'll run multiple batches, um, you know, and it's like, you know, batch two is as good as, or better than batch one. You know, we make sure that we run that. And so, um, you know, we're in the factories. I mean, it seems like constantly, um, you know, I'm actually, I'm headed over there, you know, for a couple of weeks, uh, here this week. Um, I'm in the factories, I don't know, six, seven, eight times a year, um, just to make sure that our product is rolling, that, that, you know, we're, we're on, on track for timelines. We inspect every single frame meticulously, not only, not only in the factory, but also before the customer gets it. And that's part of the reason why we're fully building everything. Um, you know, things happen, you know, we might get a supplier that might, you know, there was something wrong with their assembly line on you know, tires or wheels or a seal on a fork or whatever it may be. And with that test ride and that suspension setup, we're really doing our best to try and catch any of that before a customer gets it. Because there's nothing worse than, you know, buying a bike and waiting a week to two weeks and, you know, FedEx shows up and you pull the bike out and you build it and you assemble it and you cruise around the parking lot and all of a sudden you have a brake failure or a fork failure like immediately. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we're doing everything we can to try and catch all of that before. So you said you're going over there. Like, what is what what is it that you do while you're there? 
I everything you just from, drink a bunch of beer and freaking see it. <laughs> I just hang out, really. Yeah, right. Race, Go to race the beach. Carts. Um, <laughs> no, so it's it's everything from uh, you know inspection. So I will sit and I will manually put my hands on frames and look at every single frame. We'll check inspection. We'll check painting. We'll check all of that. Um, it's uh, this trip is we're like we we do fatigue testing on frames. So we're going to look at fatigue testing on frames and make sure that we're going to go pull random samples and we'll go see if we can break them, see if the layups yeah. were done right. Yeah. Um, you know, it's getting new projects going and, and a few things like that. So uh, it's also Taipei Cycle Show. So I'll be over that for that for a couple of days uh -huh. the following week. So that's pretty cool. So um, do they that like when you get the frame done by them, like you guys have designed everything, or you guys are trying to tell them like. Hey, this is the specs that we want, or 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 is it like you're shooting them a CAD file and you're like, here it is, and these are the colors, and this is what we want. Oh, like, it's full on, it's full on design. Um, yeah, and then we go over, and then it's whole production implementation. Uh -huh. So it's hey, this is what we want. This is the capabilities that it needs to be in. This is what it needs to test. So we're listing everything from obviously like you know geometry, like it's full CAD files with geometry kinematics, yeah, yeah. files. Um, we're 3D printing every single carbon frame before we build it. Uh -huh. So we can actually see, hey, all of this turned out like the drawing said it would turn out. Uh -huh. um, and we're fitting componentry and we're checking things, you know, heel clearances are right, you know, on the on the chain stay and seat stay or, you know, the cable ports actually work like we thought they were going to work, um, you know, design on a computer, whatever it may be, um, you know, and then it's, you know, we go through the whole layup design, you know, target weights, strength testing, um, it's everything top to bottom. Um, yeah, that's crazy. Make it all work, and yeah. work with work with the the contract manufacturing to to make sure that that we do have the best quality. And it's not only you know a dozen samples or something like that, but it's you know thousands of frames. Every single frame is perfect. Right. How do you go about even like picking your vendor for that kind of thing? You're like, my understanding is that there's not a whole lot of companies that are doing this. Like like there's a few companies that are probably building frames for for most of the big companies out there um there is actually a lot of options there's okay of, there's actually quite a few factories uh -huh. um and it's the level of factories um i you know this is kind of where you know back to the, the mba kind of helps a little bit is is going in and, and getting to know people and and, and trusting people um, you know, having a background and, and having a little bit of experience of learning how to do it and knowing what to look for, um, you go tour factories. Mm -hmm. um, you go into the factories and, oh man, before we... Before <laughs> what we part of the this, world are we talking about? Or is this like, is this China? Is this like... It's Asia. Yeah, Asia it's all over, over in, there. So okay. everything, all of, our, all of our product comes out of Taiwan. So, uh -huh. um, so it's going in and it's watching. Um, uh -huh. I will literally, uh, you know, we... Last time we picked uh, like a new carbon factory, I visited ooh, six or seven different factories before I settled on the one that we were going to use. Yeah, yeah. You know, and there's certain things like 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 uh, like import export laws and stuff like that with those countries that come into play as well, or is it like, well, let's just find the right company and then we'll figure out the price because of that stuff later. I think it's going to be more dependent on the company. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's really just, it's kind of dependent on, on the company and, and what the each, each individual brand and whatever their, what their individual goals may be. I don't think there's a hard and fast rule on that. Um, mm -hmm. I know it's something that's considered people talk about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I think as a business, as a business person, you have to be aware, you know, of, of tariffs and duties and, 
um, you know, could could war break out or something crazy? Yeah, yeah. Could there be some yeah. some crazy referendum where you can't export a product or they can't build a product or yeah? Um, that that's the whole business. That that's the non the non fun side of it. Yeah, yeah, know? totally. Um, but that is that is the business side of it. And it, you know, it's you know, you're you're we're aware of it. We're, yeah. we're aware, and that's something that is considered. Yeah, definitely. I, I would imagine. So typically, whenever you're getting your frames for the year, is that like like do you go into that and like you're like, hey, I think I'm gonna sell like five thousand of these bikes. I need them all now in January, like Q1 or whatever. Or is it like yeah. you kind of project what you're gonna need through the year, and then they're like trickling in through the year? Or? Well, a a boat can only carry so many frames, right? Right. You know, and, and, uh, you know, there's, there's sailings every week. So, um, yeah, it's really, we, we try and lay out a forecast and we try and try and estimate and factory capacities can only, can only put out so many frames and Fox can only deliver us so many forks and right. Maxis can only deliver so many tires at a time. And so we, we, you know, we can only store so many, so many componentry, you know, in our building and, and people are only buying so many bikes, you know? So and basically so we, everybody we try, in the industry is kind of, in, right. Yeah. Is, everybody in the industry is kind of getting their parts trickle in through the year to meet the supply of what they asked for, for the entire year. That is what you're saying. I, I would imagine. I mean, I don't yeah. know. I can't speak for other brands, but I think right. that's just good business practice, regardless of whatever industry you're in, you know, it's kind right. of like you having a bike shop and it's like, right. Hey, last year I sold 200 helmets. Let's bring in 200 helmets in, in February. You know, I probably, they're probably going to chunk it out, you know, just yeah. for cash flow management. But yeah, yeah. It makes sense. I, I would imagine other companies are doing the same. Yeah, totally. So when let's change gears a little bit. When Fazari started, what was the first bike that they did? Was it road bike, <laughs> mountain bike? You need to come to our you need to come to our showroom. Uh, yeah, we have it hanging up. Uh, it it, uh, it was a full suspension mountain bike, and wow, things have changed. <laughs> that wow, good, things huh? have changed. Oh yeah, it, it was awesome. So when we started, we had uh, we had two suspension bikes a hardtail and a alloy road bike. So I assume that was all, all at that point, everything was aluminum then. Yeah. And they had some kind of somebody here in stateside that was building frames or was the, the yeah, no, that was, that was in, uh, that was in Taiwan as well. So oh, okay, yeah, we've been over there. We've been over there, uh, for, for a while. So yeah, that happened. And, and, uh, a little while ago, there was a whole like ten year challenge. You know, everyone was doing on, on social media. Oh it's yeah. Like, I remember that. Be like maybe 10 years ago, uh -huh. we did one. Uh, so there is, you know, our latest and greatest LaSalle peak. And then there's our 2009, uh, I think Nebo peak was our top end bike back then. Uh -huh. Um, if you scroll back whenever I thought oh, a month ago, two yeah, months ago yeah. or something like that, we, we did it. And, uh, we, we dug that one up and, and kind of chuckled about it, about, you know, showing the bikes and it's, it's drastic. It's crazy um, how much stuff has changed, you know, honestly, yeah. like, well, you go look at anybody's bikes. They're all like from 10 years ago. All yeah. of them are kind of like, oh, compared to where everything is now. I think it's, I mean, go look at anything. Go look at cars. Go look at whatever you want to. Everything's kind of changed like that. So, yeah, it's definitely, um, I mean, it's not like, it, it, it's not like the way that like Back to the Future thought 2010 was going to look, you know, or something like that. But it's definitely yeah. like, there's definitely been a lot of, I mean, I've been riding since the, the early 90s and there's been a lot of changes. And man, it's like, it, it's definitely the bikes are way more capable than they were before, but it doesn't change the amount of fun that you have, yeah. you know, like, yep. like it's still just as much fun as it was then. And, but 
it, it just makes me wonder, like, I mean, some of the shit that we ride on today, like, there is no fucking way we would have rode that. There was probably, like, one guy out of a thousand that could have rode that, you know, on an old, like, steel freaking hardtail, fully rigid bike, you know, and still the same number, right? Probably. But, um, but now it's, like, with the bikes that are so capable, I mean, that there's probably, you know, let's just say 800 out of a thousand guys that could ride this trail. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and it's, like, it, it's just just crazy it makes you wonder what's what you know 20 30 years from now is going to look like what the hell are we going to be riding you know i don't know it's going to be crazy um you know it is something that we think about actually you know as a company we kind of think of like hey where are things going in 10 years what's going to happen where are we going to be what's product going to look like what are going to be the capabilities what are people going to want um i think that's one of the cool things about the industry um we were actually talking about this the other day um is is, and I was actually talking to uh, talking to another good friend of mine in the industry, and he's just like, "Yeah, you know, my my wife actually works in like like fashion in the movie, or my girlfriend works in the in fashion in the movies and stuff like that." And we go to these parties, and it's like everyone wants to talk about me and my job because it's like it's fun. I get to talk about bikes, like I get to talk <laughs> about everybody's hobby, right? Right. Um, you know, so that's one of the kind of things you know that we that we joked about. It's just like, you know, we work in an industry where it's like people want to get products from us. People want, that's where people want to spend their spare income, yeah. um, you know, is on bikes and, and the fun thing. And we just feel fortunate enough to, to be able to do that, you know? So it's like, you know, where are things going in, in 10, 20, 30 years? Um, I still think people are going to want and need kind of that, that, that outlet that, and freedom that the bikes deliver. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's, you know, there's a part of it that's like you are, kind of like reliving your childhood a little bit or something like that, you know, like that sense of freedom that you got the first time you rode or whatever it was, you know, that sense of excitement the first time you climbed up this whatever hill, you know, all the way to the top, you know, cause you had a single speed, you know, essentially, yeah. you know, or, or I think there's part of that. And I think there's part of, you know, people are just really busy in their life and it's nice to get out and to the, into the, the woods and do stuff. It's well, and as we, as we change and get older too, and, we want to share that with our kids. I just had it this weekend where my yeah. little one and a half year old girl finally got the, uh, she got the little push bike all by herself this yeah. weekend. And it was just like, I was like, yeah, it was like the, <laughs> like the proudest dad moment yet. So. Oh no, it's super fun. Believe me, dude, it doesn't go away. My son is 18 now. And, uh, like he came, he's in the military, he came home on leave and he's like, oh, I want to go ride. And I was like, that's fucking awesome. You know, like yeah. it's just like the best time to be out there, you know, with, with with him and just talking about shit and you just being real and i i always I, i've talked about this a million times on my channel i just feel like when you do shit that sucks together it makes you like 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 better together you know like so like it's kind of like survivors of an avalanche or plane crash or whatever you know like like they have that bond and i feel like that's similar to like what happens when you ride bikes like you guys both sucked your way up this hill but you had fun at the end of it all you, you know what i mean and it's like you, yeah there's something uh there's something about sharing a trail with somebody um yeah. some of the best friends i have and and people that i've met have been through uh have been through it's uh been the rough times on the trail you know yeah. you know it's, another another friend of the industry is you know we were riding uh riding in santa cruz and we were both just dying and you know bonking after 26 miles and 4500 feet of, of riding multiple laps around demo forest and, and you got that big long climb up out of the 
Oh, that sucks. Uh, up to the parking lot and stuff like that. And he was out of water and I was dying. And, you know, we're good friends after now. We kind of laugh and joke about it now. Yeah. So, but it's just, it's just things like that. And you just, it, it breaks down, um, breaks down personalities. You see people yeah. and, and you, and you kind of bond that way. And, um, that's why I think it's going to be around for a while. I hope it's going to be around for a while. And, uh, you know, as, as the world gets more wrapped up in, in the here and the now and, and what we need to have. And I think biking is, is, that outlet and that freedom that that so many people love to have you know that's why we're both here right yeah yeah totally i mean and mountain biking itself has really like in let's be real about it. i mean it, it wasn't it was kind of like a, a boys club for a long time and it was also kind of like not like the the socially norm thing to do but I, I was at the airport the other day and there's like freaking mountain biking on the on on the little you know advertisement there that while I'm waiting for my bags or it's like you look at like some new car video and they're like or new truck they're like throwing mountain bikes in the back of the truck and yeah. it's like it, it's definitely becoming like way more of a of a normal thing and not normal like like late 90s like mountain biking was like oh everybody had a mountain bike but it was really just like a Walmart bike that had freaking some kind of pseudo suspension on it right yeah. but, but now people are like really really riding you know yeah. well look at the up and coming i mean i don't know what it's like in, in other parts of the other parts of the country i know it's big in california and a few things like that but the high school league in utah um they recently split it there's now two two leagues two divisions um and in some of the big like 5a and 6a schools there are more kids on the mountain biking team than there are on the football team Oh, that's crazy. That's how big it's getting. Um, yeah. And it's really cool to see that. And you see these kids out all the time and they're working towards something. Um, you know, it, it's story after story of it's like, hey, my kids struggled in school and, you know, you know, struggled in grades, didn't have a whole lot of friends and just was struggling with life and kind of got into biking. And now he like they have confidence, they have friends, they're energetic, their grades are coming up because they found something to be confident in and, and something like that's what bikes are doing. Yeah. Um, and it's really cool to see. And it's really, really fun to be a part of. Yeah. It's crazy. I know when I was, I mean, I, when I was just starting riding, it was, like I said, it was beginning nineties and, and, uh, I, I knew like one guy that actually rode mountain bikes with me. All the guys that I rode my rode with were like 35 years old or something like that. And it's like, there was no other kids. I was, I think it was like eighth grade or ninth grade, whenever first eighth, I think. And, uh, yeah, there was nobody that rode bikes like that. Like, and uh, it's crazy to think about it now. Like what you're just saying, where it's like bigger than the football teams and stuff. Yeah, I would, I would have killed to have a mountain bike club. <laughs> if I, you know what I mean? Yep. So yeah, no, I was, I was the weird kid in high school that, um, you know, I was, I was the one that I would kind of stash a bike in a car. I would kind of like ditch out of school and go ride bikes or, or something <laughs> like that. And that was, that was kind of me. Yeah. So. So you grew up out there in, in Utah as well? I did, yeah. 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 So having the trails just right nearby or, you know, it's, you know, you go take your mountain bike and kind of ride street stuff and the rest of my buddies were on BMX bikes or go dig in dirt jumps for a while or whatever it may be. So uh -huh. so what got you into mountain biking? Um, I've always been into bikes. Uh, you know, my mom jokes and tells a story that when I was two years old, I 
she put brand new pair of socks on me and and I hopped on the neighbor kid's bike and I came back in and the bottoms were completely worn off the bottom of the socks. Um, <laughs> I just, I've always been into it. I've always loved bikes. I've always been around them. Um, and just, just being the neighborhood kid of, I've always been the one being, I'd rather be outside than inside yeah, yeah. Um, digging in the dirt and just getting dirty. Um, so I was always around. I love bikes. Um, my older sister, actually, I think, uh, she kind of got me into it. She got a mountain bike, you know, when I was a little kid and, and I was like, Oh, I want to do that. And so when she wasn't using it, I would kind of like sneak it out the garage really quietly and <laughs> cruise around and put it back before she noticed and, um, kind of jokingly. And, um, you know, I wanted to get my first mountain bike and I, I saved up like mowing, mowing lawns around the neighborhood and doing everything I could to save up some, some, some money. And, I always had BMX bikes and stuff like that. And I wanted to get my first mountain bike and it was a specialized rock hopper FSR, right? When there that platform came out hundred mils of travel and it was eight ninety nine. Yeah. Is what it was. And I still have the paper today. My dad said to me, he said, there's no, no sense in spending that ridiculous amount of money on something you'll ride three times this year, twice next year, and not at all the year after that. Um, it's like, yeah, no, I work in a bike company, right? Yeah. So, right. Super funny. And, and we laugh about that now. I actually hung onto that piece of paper just cause I thought it was pretty funny, but, uh, just doing that and getting into it. And, um, it's just, you know, kind of like we mentioned the fun, the freedom and, and really enjoying it. So, yeah, that's a super cool story, man. I, I like hearing stuff like that. Um, we were talking about the future of bikes. How do you guys feel about, to me, I think the, the, the thing on the bike that needs to go the most is the rear derailleur. So I don't know if you guys, if, if you're, if you're in line with me, but I just feel like that is like, it just doesn't make any sense, especially for like what we're doing. It's like, Hey, let's, let's, let's put this like integral part of your drivetrain hanging down here next to all these rocks that you are trying to smash through. You know, yeah. it just, it doesn't make any sense at all. What, what do you think about that? Uh, I think drivetrains are ripe for innovation. I think that is a place that, that, can and eventually will be innovated um i would yeah. love to see that i would love to see i would love to see derailers go external gears all of that stuff gone however uh i do do some road biking and gravel biking i recently have been riding the new red axis from sram uh-huh. the whole and it is unreal um that is a vast improvement over mechanical however i do hear you you know something kind of hanging there on the mountain bike side and and a few things like that um that that's one thing that we you know we would actually talk about it you know that would be cool if, if someone could change drivetrains or what can yeah. we do to change drivetrains um, that would be I I agree I would love to get rid of derailers um, you know still have the gearing options keeping the weight down keeping the durability um, it would be awesome have you ridden any of the pinion bikes I not enough to have a you know kind of a not to have a good opinion. Not, not, yeah. not enough to really get out on them for an extended period of time. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. I rode um one of the zero a while ago, and I would tell you like it was probably the most confident I've ever felt in corners because according to them, it, it had to do with that extra weight kind of being in the middle of the bike, and they were like, mm-hmm. it was just nuts that end of it. I think there's some, some innovation to be had yet. I'm not going to go into too much detail about it. People see my videos. So they know what I, how I feel, but I think it's cool. I remember, I remember retrofitting downhill bikes with Hammerschmidt cranks and uh-huh. a few things like that, you know, trying to be able to do something, something cool that way or, you know, or whatever it may be, but yeah, drivetrain. I think that, that is a, 
that's a place that, that needs to be innovated for sure. Yeah, that's that's definitely definitely um in my opinion it's like the weakest link right now. But um but that that's a that's still like extremely strong link. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. We no, got totally. Some, we got some pretty amazing stuff happening right now. Yeah, no, it's definitely some good stuff going on there. It just I, I feel like you know, like when you said a second ago, like on road bikes and stuff like that, it it's if it's efficient, like like I understand like why bother changing it. You know what I mean? But with the mountain bike, it just seems like I mean, how many times have I freaking bent a rear rear um derailleur or the derailleur hanger or broke a derailleur like it's just like i think that's probably the the part that i've failed the most in all my time of riding you know what i mean like i can't think of i can't think of anything other than like you know getting flats and going through tires you know what i mean that i've replaced as much as the rear derailleur you know yeah yeah yeah. nonetheless maybe um, we just need to flip it upside down and put it on top right maybe i mean if that's all it is then right right on you know what i mean so i'm down with whatever it is that stops that thing from getting broke all the time yeah but um so right now let's get back to your bikes that you guys have so you're you're doing you you have a a road you have road bikes like a whole line of them yeah we have a we have a whole line of road bikes um we even do a triathlon bike um i don't know if you've heard about him we had we actually had a guy he's actually racing cape epic this weekend this week uh-huh. um his name uh iron cowboy james lawrence uh-huh. the guy that did the 50 ironmans in 50 consecutive days one in every oh, state wow. here a couple Jesus years ago Christ. that guy's got that guy's, a fucking mental problem he, he does <laughs> he's also like the nicest guy you'll ever meet so yeah no doubt crazy so he did that um, he actually took one of our bikes up Kilim and up and down Kilimanjaro, our hardtail uh-huh. we did a couple years ago. Uh, he's actually racing Cape Epic. Uh, uh-huh. Today was the prologue, so he's doing that one. But you know, so we do everything on the road bike side, um, some triathlon stuff there, and then the mountain bike side as well. We do everything from you know like a five hundred fifty dollar just hardtail mountain bike, you know, some new hardtails in a thousand fifteen hundred dollar range, suspension bike starting at about seventeen hundred. Our trail bikes are going crazy. You know, our, our most popular trail bikes are are a Bajo Peak and Cascade Peak, 130, 140 millimeter travel, 29er alloy bikes. Um, you know, with one. So bike it looks like you guys got fat tire bike. You got some cross country, some cross country race. What's the difference between that? That's just like weight or something like that. Yeah, you know, and and then a little bit of you know perception is like I want to I want to cross country, but I want to race the bike. Um, uh-huh. So it's setups, it's tires, it's you know our hardtail is going to probably fall in the cross country race and and a few and things like that. So. so the difference between like enduro and all mountains probably more just like suspension, like how much it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's usually we on on that side on the mountain side, it's usually suspension travel is kind of what denotes those into those categories. So where was that? What 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 um, section does that hardtail fall into that you were talking about? The five hundred dollar one. Uh, that's probably gonna be on cross country. Uh huh. That's called our Lone Peak. Yeah. So at something kind of interesting is you know based here in Utah, we name our mount our mountain bikes after mountains around us. Oh, cool. Um, so Lone Peak is it, it's it's a uh, what's we can stand out on our in the parking lot in our office and we can see quite a few of the quite a few of the mountains. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just, just all the way around us. That's our lone peak. Probably our most popular hardtail is our brand new Wasatch peak that we just introduced. Um, uh-huh. you know, that one's at nine 99. And then we have, uh, our, a little bit higher end. We call it our elite build, um, at, uh, 1599. Um, they're 29 or up to two, six or they're 27 plus compatible. 
um pretty rad little bikes which so, one's that 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 is the wasatch peak uh, okay so it's either it's either or or it's uh yeah it's either or so you could you could order it either way you can order it as 29 or you can order it as 27 plus uh but you can you know if you got a second wheel set or something something you could swap swap yourself later Oh, that's cool. That's the whole reason that I got the uh, the chameleon because I wanted something I could do both both wheel sizes on. Yeah, that's a really that's a really fun bike, man. I, I tell you what, I've been I uh, bought the chameleon just so that I could uh, I don't know make things difficult again. I guess that's the real the the, the key reason was like go like I really just started thinking about yeah, my Bronson is great, but it I mean I don't I'm not riding in Tahoe all year. You know, like there's good yeah. part of the year that it's it's snowed in, and and it, even that, some some of the places I'm riding, I'm like, dude, I don't need this much this much like suspension and everything. And I think that's the idea of like making things a little more simple, and and like I just said a second ago, a little harder again. Like it's like kind of became appealing to me, and and I'll I'll be honest with you man I'm I'm digging that bike like more than I thought I was going to so like anybody that's thinking about getting a hardtail this looks like a pretty sweet bike to be from from where I'm looking right now what's the it's uh, bad. yeah I mean it's got the NX stuff on it and that's that's uh internal routing looks like uh unfortunately SRAM brakes but Everybody has to do something wrong. I'm just kidding. <laughs> and, we'll, and we'll swap them for you, right? <laughs> I I just whatever you want. Yeah, yeah. I I just like talking shit about SRAM brakes. They got great shifting, but their brakes don't do it for me. Um. So that's super cool, man. So you guys, do you see? Or I'm curious, do you guys see like more 27.5 or more 29 sales? Um. Because we build more 29ers, obviously we see more 29ers. Uh -huh. um, we're seeing a lot of them. Uh, you know, I drivetrains have changed. Um, you know, get back into the design side, where we have fully, fully killed front derailers. Mm -hmm. um, it's super rare to even see a front derailleur on mountain bikes. Um, because we've been able to fully kill front derailers on suspension bikes, we've been able to shorten that rear end so much that uh, we've been able to speed up and, and make 29ers more agile. Can you explain um, why the derailleur going away makes the rear end shorter? So we have to have, we have to put the derailleur somewhere, first of all, right? And you have to have the derailleur in line with your chain line. Mm. And so enable to have tire clearance, you know, if we run around a two five or a two six, you have that derailleur cage, you know, that has to sit like this. And then you have your tire that has to sit wide enough. And that right. gets so wide, right? that in order to to clear your front derailleur when it's in the low position you have to move that tire back right, right. You move the tire back it. you gotta extend your 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 chain stays uh -huh. and so with that front derailleur totally totally gone it's given us as designers so much more flexibility with what we can do with chain stay lengths um you know and to make sure that we have proper clearance to make sure we have mud clearance um and especially for bigger tires and a few things like that um you know we have worked extremely hard um, to be able to offer 29 2.6 clearance on our bikes and still maintain even on the suspension bikes 430 to 435 millimeter chainstays mm -hmm. um, which is really hard um, had somebody make a comment to me he's like how are you doing that you know people are having to do that and go really really wide triangles and and stuff like that and 
he just joked and goes, are you, are you just working harder than everybody else? And I was like, well, I don't know if we're working harder, but um, <laughs> you know, like there's so many good brands, so many good bikes and brands out there. Like you can't, you can't get a bad bike nowadays. You really just can't, um, you know, but we, we do, we do try and work extremely hard. Um, we, that's, that's, you know, if, if we can't, if we can't figure out a way to, to do something better, which we try to do, you know, we're, we're going to do our best to outwork ourselves and outwork everybody else to make sure that, you know, we do have the best product and we able can, we can back that up with the best warranty and we we're offering the absolute best customer support and riders are having the best experience uh, with Fazari. Yeah. I think what you guys are offering though, too, or like you said about not being able to like get a bad bike and, and I'll be honest with you, like, yeah, you you can't like most of them are 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 all really good bikes. And I think what it really comes down to is the build, because most of the things that like I don't do a lot of bike reviews because personally I feel like it's not fair to the bike company for me to come out and bitch because I don't like this fork that's on it. You know what yeah. I mean? It's not they they didn't make the fork. You know what I mean? So I mean I guess I could bitch about it because they didn't pick the one that I would want, you know, or something like that. But on the other hand, it's like essentially like those are the things that people are really like probably more so feeling whenever they get on something new you know where they're like oh this suspension is way better than the suspension on their old one is that just from the actual suspension or is that from the design that's where you really have to have i think a higher level understanding of bikes to be able to make that decision you know what i mean yeah yeah no i totally agree with that you know that being said you know um you know, with what I say earlier is, is yeah, our suppliers totally have our backs and we work with them. Um, and they're amazing. There's so many good people. Um, you know, but ultimately it comes down and like, you know, it did get put on, you know, a Fazari bike or whatever bike it is. Um, and, and we work, um, you know, we, you know, the, we call it our full bike analytics is mm -hmm. we don't just like, Oh yeah, we built this frame. We built this cool frame, just slap stuff on there. Um, we really go through and we go through every component down to like water bottle bolts and, and really make sure that everything we put on our bike is the absolute best value for the money. Yeah. We want to make sure it's the best performing. We ride all this stuff. Um, you know, it, it kind of gets joked around like around my desk, my whole area, I've got parts all over the place. You know, it's cause we're constantly testing, you know, tire treads and wheels and suspension and brakes and drivetrains to make sure it's like, yeah, this is something I would put on my own bike. Um, yeah. It's not something we want to put on our own bike. We're not going to put it on something and, and, and sell it to a customer. Yeah. What is one of those things that is like really small attention to detail things that, that, that most people wouldn't think that you guys have put your thought into? I can tell you I was uh, did an interview with Knight Composites up at their place in Bend, Oregon. And they were like telling me about how much freaking effort that they put into like building this perfect valve stem where it was just like and all this stuff that they told me about it's like i wouldn't have even thought about that like being anything like i was like it's a valve stem we thought they were all the same you know it's yeah. just like what color is that one and versus that one you know and it's crazy um I, I can give you two quick examples on the product side um i i would i would probably say on our on uh you know the new lasalle peak and signal peak um it's our clean catch cable systems um, you don't realize what cable routing does and, and how difficult that can be sometimes, but it's how we're routing our cables. Um, I mean, something simple, we route them on the top side of the bottom bracket. It doesn't grow. The cables don't grow through the suspension. Um, and then the cover plates, we, we went through like four iterations on that. 
uh-huh. uh, to make sure that the bikes were totally silent when you're riding the bikes. They were really easy to work on. That one, um, that, that actually, I mean, four iterations, it was like two different molds that we opened and they're, they're plastic injection molds. They're not cheap. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, to make sure that that little teeny thing that you don't really notice. So you've had a bike a month, mm-hmm. you know, or you've had a reroute cables or whatever else you don't notice that. Um, you know, that's so is there like tubes that. inside of the frame that the, the cable goes through? Or kind we of don't do it? that. No, it's really just in, uh, it's in where the cables exit and enter the frame. Um, uh-huh. we've been able to keep them quiet and how they're held, uh, uh-huh. with the ports. Um, you know, that's kind of the product side. We spent a lot of time. Um, the other side though, actually, um, and, and this one's, this one's harder to see, uh, you know, until you come spend a day with us, but how much are people actually care? Um, they care that they're not just getting something out and they're getting a paycheck. Um, it surprises me day in and day out going in, going into work and you see people that really care about the bike that they're building for, I mean, who they're sending it to. Um, you know, they kind of, they, they, they joke about what they're, you know, what is this person like? Um, even to the point that, you know, we're writing little handwritten notes on the inside of the boxes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, for people, <laughs> I got a text message this morning at seven 30 from, from, uh, uh, one of the customer, one of our heads of customer service on a Sunday morning. And she goes, Hey, did this get done? Oh, I had a nightmare about this, that, that we didn't get this done for this customer, <laughs> you know, but yeah, having totally. people that are willing to do that and, and just the really, they just care. Um, yeah. you know, it's, it's not just a paycheck. It's not just a job. It's not just getting someone out the door. It's, they're building something, they're building an experience for somebody, um, because they know what a bike does for them. Um, yeah. I think that's one that, that definitely can't be underestimated. It's really hard to see until you come spend a day with us or you interact with some of our people. Um, you're, you're building a product that you know what the impact is because like, I would imagine most of the people there, I, I would imagine everybody there's probably a bike rider of some sort. Right. Yeah. So I, I think that that's, um, there's no question about what's going to happen to that thing when it leaves, you know, uh, hopefully it's not one that just hangs on the wall in the garage, but, um, for the most part, you, you're, you're understanding like there's going to be like some like epic times with people in this thing, you know? So it's, it's important that it's done right. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <clears throat> That's really cool. What, um, what is, what is, so you're traveling around with, with the company. So I saw you at Sedona, you were, you were like wrenching on bikes and kind of doing your thing there. And so you, you uh, go to a lot of the events or is that kind of split up between different people? We, we send, we try and send everybody, um, you know, we'll send different people out. I'll go when I'm needed, um, you know, to kind of help out, uh, you know, we've got a killer, killer crew that, that, um, they're able to do it and, um, I'll go when I need to, yeah. uh, Sedona was one I actually wanted to go to as well. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, so pick and choose. Um, I do travel. Um, you know, we try and get some people out, but yeah, you'll see me at events. Yeah. Um, you know, you probably see me at some outer bikes this year. Definitely see me at Sea Otter here in a couple of weeks. Uh-huh. Um, you know, we'll be around, but we, we try and keep, uh, keep our demos going. And then, uh, if you're ever in Utah, you're anybody, obviously you're more than welcome to come see us. Uh, we do run a showroom in the front of our offices that has all of our bikes and, um, come see us and do you guys have trails that are like right by right by where your office is like we've got stuff maybe 10 minutes away oh yeah, yeah. okay you can step there not not far yeah um you don't have to go drive an hour right uh, we've got a huge network of trail maybe 15 20 minutes away uh-huh. um you know as the, as the high alpine opens up we've got an amazing canyon 
oh, about 15, 20 minutes away that you're up over 9,000 feet, like no problem, oh, wow. really fast. It's, it's pretty amazing. What's the elevation like where you guys are at? Uh, office sits at about 4,700 feet. They're up there already then. Yeah. Because I think Tahoe is like 5,000 or something like that at lake level. But I mean, obviously you can jump up there from a bit from that. So you got yeah. some lungs on you, man. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. So what is it that you like about Sedona? That was my first time. Yeah. Um, actually, unfortunately, I only got out one day to ride. But uh, I like that event. Um, it's really fun. It's cool to have the whole industry. It's kind of the first event of the year. Yeah. Um, it's really exciting for me. It's really rewarding to spend so much time on a product. Um, you know, this one, you know, obviously being like, you know, the LaSalle peak signal peak our cascade peaks that we had so much kind of, you know, sweat equity, uh, on a product and then P see people come back and just be stoked out of their mind. Like, Oh my gosh, that's the best bike I've ever ridden. Oh, this is changing everything. Oh, I love biking. And, and just, they're so happy. Um, that's the best part to me. That that's yeah. kind of honestly why I like to go to some of those events is just, I see that and and, it, and it's a good learning experience for me. You know, I can, uh, you know, face-to-face -face interaction with customers. I get to talk to them. I get to know them and know who, who's writing our product or who potentially could be writing our product, you know, and kind of internalizing that and how do we adapt and change and uh, build better product, but also become, you know, a better company um, all around. So Mark Jones asked in the, uh, the comments here as we're chatting where the, uh, the name Fazari came from. Is that the last name of the, uh, the founder or? No. So Fazari, uh, it's like the root word is Adi, which actually is a Japanese word for it, which means like the, the word really means Fazari means to be in the moment. Uh -huh. Um, and that's kind of how we, we try and live our lives, how we, how we try and, um, you know, act as a company of, of being the here and the now, um, enjoy what's happening. Also focus on what's happening. Um, and, and try to become better. Uh huh. So it's like a derivative of like, a you said of a Japanese word or yeah. Adi means like here and now uh -huh. in Japanese. So that's interesting. Does the, the, like, was there some like, kind of like, like Japanese background to the family or just some kind of like, it was just like this. Seems so, like, so the founder spent, he, he did a, uh, he used to be a ninja or something. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, <laughs> yeah no, uh, he did. He was, did, it was an exchange student in Japan. Oh, okay. Um, and, and so just kind of that culture and it's, you know, kind of a cool culture. And, and yeah, I know that's super cool. I like it. Right, right on man. Um, Sorry, uh, that that was a good question. I I'll, I meant to ask it earlier in the in the conversation, but once I saw it pop up, I was like, you know what? That's a good that's a good thing to ask here. Um, so you're heading to uh, Sea Otter. You guys releasing anything special over there? You may see a new release from us. All so. right. Have you? Yeah, you'll have to come. You'll have to come see us. Yeah, I haven't been to Sea Otter yet. This is a. Uh, I'm, I'm excited to go. You said it earlier. You're like, oh yeah, Sea Otter's a couple weeks away. I'm like, holy crap, that's coming quick. I still need yeah. to figure out where the hell I'm sleeping. Trying to talk him my buddies into one of my buddies that lives right by there. And to me, like being able to crash at his place, then I don't have to go camp or anything like that. <laughs> so I've um, heard, uh, I've never, I've never camped, but uh, it, it seems like the camping at Sea Otter at Laguna Seca is, is a party all weekend. Oh yeah, I'm sure it's freaking a shit show. I would imagine. <laughs> that's that's great. Um, so, 
with the with the different lines, you said that the Enduro is doing doing really well. What is it that you think that is um, making that bike stand out the way that it is? I I think it's a whole package, really. Um, I think it's a lot of what we did with the suspension design um, mm-hmm. and and how we built in uh, really the leverage ratio. What we did with the leverage ratio is really progressive, so it's really soft off the off the top, but it just kind of it catches you at the bottom mm-hmm. um, with with that. The pedaling efficiency, the anti-squat values are, are, you know, I think they're very, very well done. Um, so the pedaling efficiency, you know, time and time again, we hear it, you know, from, from customers, even in the media reviews, it's like a bike this big shouldn't pedal this well. Uh-huh. Um, you know, we're doing, we're constantly like in testing and things like that. We were doing 20, 25 mile, four or 5,000 foot climbing days on it all the time. Um, it was awesome. Uh, so I think that the pedaling efficiency, uh, the geometry numbers, I think we hit the geometry numbers spot on, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's a slack 65 degree head tube angle for the downhill, the short offset fork, you know, helps the slow speed steering, um, the steep seat tube angle. That's, that's kind of the magic of that bike, that 78 degree seat tube angle. Mm-hmm. Um, then you combine that with everything that Fazari is, you know, the customization that we're able to offer super high end quality, the, the lifetime, that frame gets a lifetime warranty and every piece of the frame's carbon. Rear triangle, front triangle, even the rocker link, lifetime warranty on all of it. Um, and then you know the build packages. You know you how's that? How's that? What, what's how's that work with like crash replacement kind of stuff? Then crash replacements. I mean, it's crashes obviously aren't covered, but we do have crash replacement pricing. You know, kind of uh-huh. reach out if, if we need to do just like a chain stay or a seat stay. You know, we have just those parts available. We can help you out on that one, and we're usually pretty aggressive on it. We're not. Uh-huh. We're not really interested in gouging people. We want to get people back up and and yeah, and yeah, running, totally. So. So we want them. We want them stoked and happy. So they'll come back and, and get another one. You know, three, four years, five years down the road, or get one for a friend or a neighbor or a family member or something like that. So. <laughs> there you go. Right. <clears throat> so um, I'm sorry I, I cut you off when you were explaining that one. So basically, you're you're thinking just the whole package there. Yeah. So su- suspension design. Um, you know what we were doing with that. Just you know, it, it rallies downhill. Um, you know, the pedaling efficiency. You're able to get into it. The geometry, um, geometry, I think spot on, C tube angle, the build packages. If you look what we offer as complete builds, um, I think they're killer. Um, and the pricing that we're able to offer them at, you know, our number one seller, hands down, is our elite build. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that one comes with a Lyric RC2, so highest end Lyric, comes with a super deluxe rear shock, um, it's SRAM GX Eagle. Uh, comes with stands, flow wheels, race face cockpit, uh, Fox transfer dropper, um, oh, wow. and code RSC brakes uh-huh. uh, for forty five ninety nine. <laughs> oh, that's a great price. Yeah, that, I think that whole package all the way together. Even our pro model, um, you know, that one's actually our second best seller. Is is you know the elite number one, pros a second one, and that one's full XO Reynolds carbon wheels. You have the op option to upgrade to Fox factory suspension, you know, a 36 grip two and an X two, mm-hmm. um, carbon bar code RSCs, you know, at, at 65 um, it's pretty killer. So. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's still, still very good. So let's talk about something controversial here. You guys have an e-bike. Uh-oh. We do <clears> have <throat> an e-bike. So what, what got you into that market? Um, have you ridden one? I haven't ridden a trail bike yet. Like honestly, okay. I, the only time I've been on one was more of like a street cruiser. It blew my mind, like, like uh-huh. just trying it, you know. But I've I've been 
I've definitely been wanting to ride something that's, you know, built for mountain biking and, and uh, hopefully I get a chance here soon. Um, I would highly recommend it. Um, and then it, 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 it has potential of being a little more, uh, understanding why we built it. Yeah. Um, it's fun. It, yeah. It's just flat out. It's just flat out fun. Um, they're controversial. Yeah, yeah. Um, we get that. We know that. Um, I think there's, you know, the biggest thing in my mind is being trail access. Uh, but things are opening up. Um, and, and we as manufacturers have a responsibility to help educate customers and future customers on how to ride the bikes, where to ride the bikes and a few things like that. Um, the reason why we build an e-bike, it basically came down to, to fun and we were getting asked for it left and right. Yeah. We've had so many requests. Um, you know, it, it's crazy how many requests we have. And so we kind of took a different approach um, that, you know, from what we saw, our interpretation of what was currently on the market, you know, our interpretation was, um, you know, here's a motor, here's a battery, put some suspension and geometry around it and go ride it. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and then the bikes didn't handle very well. They handled like limos. Um, mm -hmm. They didn't corner well. They didn't descend well. Um, the suspension didn't feel all that great. And so we kind of flipped it and we said, let's go build a killer mountain bike first. Let's go build a really, really good suspension platform. Let's go build killer geometry of what a real bike should have. And then mm -hmm. let's go figure out how to put a motor and a battery system into that. Um, you know, one case in point really was the chainstay length. Um, you know, because we're running a mid motor on there, uh, you would have to extend the chainstays to fit the motor system. Um, and, you know, chainstays were out at like 445, 450. I recently saw one out at like 470 millimeters, uh -huh. which is crazy. Um, it's awesome in a straight line. Like that is like, absolute killer in a straight line. Right. Uh, but once you try to corner the thing or jump the thing or manual the thing, it becomes really, really difficult. Um, and so, you know, we, we kind of took that reverse approach to what we, what our interpretation of what was being done is we build a bike first and then we fit the motor system and the battery system in there. Um, you know, and so we, you know, we rotated the motor to be able to get 435 mil chain stays on 27 plus or 29 2.4. Um, and then working with the battery system that was fully integrated, a really sleek, clean look instead of just, you know, slapping a battery on there that was sticking all out. Um, so the battery is, is in the, the, the down tube, right? Correct. How do Correct. you design like that? Like, cause like between that and then the motor being basically down at the, the, the bottom bracket, right? Uh -huh. Like the, the weight is just like, it's not how you would expect it to be, or it's not how it is on a regular bike. So like what kind yeah. of things go into, into the design of that? So we, we testing goes into it, right? So we actually test it with, when we run our uh, fatigue testing on the frame, we actually test it with weight in the motor mount and weight in the battery mount. Cause we know there is going to be extra weight there. Uh, also goes into component selection. Um, there are e-bike specific components, um, you know, namely like one of them is the hub. Um, really simple ways, basically in most hubs, not all hubs, but most hubs, you have two bearings or two bearings in the hub, two bearings in the free hub body. Um, and then in the higher one ones, you have an alloy axle running to the middle of it in e-bike specific hubs. It's typically three bearings in the free hub body and a steel axle. And that just, because you have that extra wattage and that extra power, um, it just stops the free hub from twisting. And that's what's usually causing breakage, mm -hmm. um, is when free hubs, free hubs twist. Um, so it's making sure we're using e-bike specific, 
components because you do have more power. Um, mm -hmm. You know, and just again, it's that that whole full bike analytics. It's not just yeah, we got a got a motor and a battery. Throw whatever you want on it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we really think through that. We make sure you know we're tuning our suspension a little bit different because there is, you know, there's another twenty pounds of mass moving with you. So, what kind of angles do they use on like head tube and seat tube on something like that? Well, what we did, we we built it like an all mountain, like an all mountain enduro bike. Uh, uh -huh. You know, sixty six degree head tube, uh, seventy six seat tube, right. um, four thirty five chainstays. We built it like a modern mountain bike. Right. Um, to us, that was the issue with you know <clears throat> what we currently saw in the market is what, is things weren't built that way. Yeah, yeah. No, I totally hear you there. So what is something like that way? Like, I don't even know. Uh, you know, uh, our pro model comes in at, at 49 pounds and, you know, our comp model, I think, is up at like 52 and a half. Right. So, I mean, they're, it's they're heavy. Yeah, it's heavy, but I mean, it also has a motor on it. So, I mean, yeah. like, or a, a pedal assist, whatever you want to yeah. call it. Yeah, I mean, right? it, but at the same time, it wasn't that long ago where the holy grail of weight and downhill bikes is 40 pounds. Yeah, no, I, know, that's what I was... not that far off. But what's what's interesting is how you balance that weight, um, right. what you're doing in tires, what you're doing in suspension, uh, brake stopping power. Um, you know, it they're extremely fun. Um, yeah. You know that that same loop that we were testing our enduro bike. You know the the twenty twenty five mile four or five thousand foot days. You know where it's like it's a three and a half four hour ride. You know I'm you know I'm six four two hundred and forty pounds. I'm a big dude. Um, I climb slow. I just I just do. Um, you know, where it's, it, it, <laughs> you know, it, it makes, it makes the climbs. I mean, I don't mind the climbing. It just takes yeah. me a long time. Yeah, um, yeah, I don't, no. I don't ride with the skinny guys at the office. Yeah. Um, it's really fun on the downhills cause they can't keep up cause I'll have, I have a lot of, uh, a lot yeah. of inertia on the downhills, uh, you know, but having, having that assist, um, you know, I'm getting, so if you're, I'm going to go take my, my non-assisted bike and ride it for an hour and I'm going to go take my pedal assist bike and I'm going to ride that for an hour. I'm going to get the same workout but I'm just going to cover more distance on the assisted bike. Uh -huh. right? It's, you know, instead of, you know, I'm making one lap, you know, on my non-assisted bike, I'm going to go make two yeah. on my assisted bike. Yeah. You know? Because I'm bigger. I, the assist helps me more, you know, yeah. for a hundred pound guy that's, you know, that's like ultra marathon, just, you know, insane shape, you know, he may not get as much assist out of it. Right. Or much, much help. I'm a big dude. Um, a lot yeah. of our customers are seeing that. What's really cool to me is, we're seeing we're seeing more dads riding with kids because of it. We're seeing more families riding together, um, and we're actually seeing like these guys that are like enduro racers and cross country racers. They're getting these as their recovery bike, mm -hmm. you know, instead of just spinning on a trainer or just something really basic, just as like a recovery. They're getting on these, you know, with the mode select. You can help with. Uh, uh, you know how much workout you're getting you can control that um but it's fun you're seeing yeah. more terrain um you know and it's obviously doing it responsibly making sure you're staying on trails that are um that are that are legal and and you know knowing um you know that that you know there are places that are currently allowed and 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 not not being an antagonist on that you know yeah uh, no I, I think the biggest problem is just the trail access por portion yeah. of it I, I think as far as like the reasoning for it you're always going to have some haters you're always going to have some people that are on the bandwagon or whatever like for me personally like i've said this a hundred times over like whatever it takes to get people outside i think that's the right thing 
And yeah. I have heard enough compelling arguments of why to use one that way outweigh anything that I've heard somebody say on why not to. You know what I mean? It's like basically, um, I think the why not to's are usually like just, I don't know. I, I, I don't buy into the like, we're going to earn your turn. Okay. Well, what do you do when you go to fucking North Star and you get on a lift? Or what do you do when you go to Downingville and you ride a van up freaking 5,000 feet elevation loss over 14 miles? You, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. so um, I, I, I would love to have one for like what you were talking about, like covering more distance you know, in a short amount of time where I, I do have the ability to go out and like do these epic ride days, you know, my kids are older, but I can totally understand like being able to get in like a, a really good ride in a short amount of time. Like, like that's what I'm, it is for me. You know, after, after, after work, <clears throat> it's like, I, I have trails right from my house. Right. Um, you know, I've got to kind of stay not as fun trails and I can ride four five, six miles. It's steep around where I live. You know, that's an hour after work. You know, I get on this assistive bike and it, I get access to trails that are a little bit more fun and it's 11, 12 miles you know, yeah. in the same hour. And it's not like I'm doing anything reckless. It's not like I'm, you know, I'm not yielding to traffic or, you know, doing right. all these things, these stereotypical things you, you see. It's just, I climb slow and this helps me not climb as yeah. slow. Um, I have done, it's kind of a side note. I, I have run Strava and I've hit save my ride on a few things. And I'm still not the top guy on the climbs. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, I've obviously deleted it and changed it, whatever, you know. Right, but it was just right. funny to see this just like it's just like I'm still not the fastest. That's the uh, that's the always my fast. argument to people that are like, oh well, you know, they're just tearing up the trails or whatever. I'm like, dude, I guarantee you there's guys that are faster than me on yeah. on and me on an e-bike compared to them just normally i see those fuckers fly by me on a goddamn single speed uphill like it's nothing you know what i mean like those guys are animals man yeah so but, we're doing i mean we realize as a manufacturer it's you know it, it is part of our responsibility to help educate people um, yeah. and and we're we're trying to do that and we're and, and and getting people on the bikes to understand the bikes how the bikes work what they can do, but at the same time, you know, their limitations as well. You know, a lot of people think it's like, I'm, I'm just going to hit a throttle and I'm going to get thrown back in the seat and not going to know what's happened, but you know, they're totally different and, and how they work. And, and we're, we're making steps to be able to do that. And then also knowing too, where we're so connected as a society. I mean, I, I mean, you know, we're talking, we're States away, right. Or, yeah. you know, wherever people are listening, um, you know, we're so connected that we sometimes, you know, unintentionally fall, fall into this rule. It's like, well, no, it's this, you know, the, the trail access is this. And it's like, you might be in Connecticut or Florida or wherever else. And that might be the case in your area, you know, but just knowing a little bit, stepping back and going, Hey, trail access is a little bit different it is a new issue. It's an evolving issue. Yeah. Um, you know, I know there's trail access issues, even not even just assisted bikes, but just regular bikes all over California. Yeah, um, yeah. And a lot of places, you know, it's, you can't even take bikes in a lot of different places. Um, you know, it's, so it's, you know, being, being conscious of that before, you know, we get on social media or start, start lobbing bombs with, of, of different things here and there. Um, yeah. There are different areas and, and, and things like that, both, both for and against, uh, you know, the pedal assist. Both we have an OHV park it. that's right by where I ride all the time in Auburn, California. And for me, like where I could see the e-bike just being, freaking awesome it's like when we ride that ohv park like it really takes us like like three trucks to have a really good day where you're not spending like so much time like 
like driving up and down, trying to like do do swaps or whatever. And then otherwise, like if if you're if you're just climbing out of that fucking place, like if you did it twice in one day, you're like done, son. You know what I mean? It's like it's yeah. a legit climb getting out of there. But like I've seen guys on e-bikes and it's just they're just doing laps, man. And it's like that's sick. You know, yeah, like that, that that's that looks like a lot of fun. And they could be going up some of the trails that we don't even go up, like where we're driving on the road, they could be going up some of the other trails that are a little more tame for uphill, where it's like we don't bother riding up them because it just sucks, you know. So like, but with that little bit of extra like oomph, it'd be like, Oh yeah, well that makes sense, you know, just shoot back up there that way. Yep. Um I definitely I I I know that's I know it's in my future probably own one. I, I I'd love to see the the trail access things get worked out where I could go up and do like just some monster ride up in Tahoe at high elevation that I would never be able to do on without like training for like two years. You know what I mean? Where it's <laughs> like to go up and ride some, you know, fifty mile loop in ten thousand feet elevation, like that's that's just not that's not in my my wheel set as a guy that has a, a regular job and you know what i mean like so yep. many hours in the day maybe i'm making excuses i don't know but i think that those the to me like stuff like that where it'd be super fun like there's an area called georgetown that is another ohv park that a lot there's a lot of mountain bikers up there and unless you're using the shuttle service up there it's like that's going to be a It'll be fun day, but it's not going to be as fun as you could have if you were either taking the shuttle or riding an e-bike. You know what I mean? It's just like so much more fun to be had. I think that um, for me, like that's definitely, I see it in the future for me without a doubt, you know? Um, what is the battery last on that thing? How does that go? Is it like? So batteries, the the life, the range, um, you know, we, we, in, in on our, on our bike, it's it's 500 watt hours um, is what it is. So in eco mode, you can go up to 60 miles. Um, obviously, that's going to change. You're probably not always going to ride it in eco mode. Mm -hmm. um, elevation makes a difference. Riding on flat ground isn't going to use as much of the battery as you know riding up something super steep. Um, rider weight, cadence. There's a bunch of different variables. Um, that being said, me 6'4", 240, probably 250, 260 geared up. Uh -huh. um, I've been able to do multiple times like 24 miles and 4,500 feet and not kill the battery. Uh-huh. Um, it's a big day. Yeah. Know? Yeah. No, that's definitely a, that's a, that's a really good day. Right. So, and it's going to, and it's going to vary, you know, there, there, there is all those variables. It's, you know, where are you running your cadence zone? Um, you know, 70, 80 RPM is kind of the sweet spot on those, on those motors, just uh -huh. a regular, like a regular cadence, like a regular bike, uh -huh. um, which zone, which, uh, which assist mode are you using? Um, elevation how steep a terrain are you riding a little bit with rider weight not that doesn't as big effect um temperature will affect it as well uh yeah. you, know, you ride them in super super cold you know that'll drain it just like it would on anything electronic so right right that's interesting you know it's just uh it, it's a totally different thing to think about then so whenever the battery dies like you still can change gears and like pedal just a 50 pound bike right Oh yeah, yeah, totally. So totally I mean, normal. it's not like it, not like it locks up or or something like that. Nope. I'll tell you what, because my I have Di two shifting on my my gravel bike, and I forgot to charge that once, and freaking that just <laughs> stops. 
Like I wish yeah. there was some kind of button on there that I could push to at least pick the fucking gear that I want to be in. But I think like, they have a reserve on those actually. I think you can go into a reserve mode. I think it does do like that. 20 shifts after that or something like that. But I'm pretty sure whenever I did that, my battery was like completely there was no reserve. <laughs> there was like I hadn't ridden the bike in like six months until he didn't think about charging it at all and freaking showed up the trail. And it was like, no, this is not even there's no blinky light. There's no you're riding a single speed today, Rob. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, but that was totally the bike's fault. That wasn't that wasn't that wasn't your fault for no, no, not, not at all, right? Totally the bike's fault. So um what is it that you're looking looking forward to this next year? Just um sea otter or something something else like i i am probably i'm actually really excited um to keep the keep this excitement and momentum that we have going mm -hmm. um it's been it's been a crazy year uh once we have sea otter we launched we launched our signal peak last year at sea otter and we are going to launch another bike at sea otter this year Mm -hmm. uh, within that one year window, we will be launched. We will have launched seven new bikes. In oh, a year. wow. You guys are freaking um, crunching out some bikes then, huh? Yeah. I, and we always have stuff in the pipeline, always have stuff working. So, yeah, yeah, so totally. me, it's really keeping that momentum going. Um, uh -huh. And it, it's exciting to, you know, kind of on, you know, just the business side of seeing that grow. Uh -huh. um, you know, on, on the bike side, um, uh, I do love sea otter. Sea otter is such a blast. Um, it's good to see everybody. Um, you know, it's that. And then I uh, getting out and riding with my family. Um, uh -huh. You know, little girls loving it. Wife loves it. Uh, that's that's really what I'm I'm most excited about on bikes and just just meeting new friends and and riding with old ones uh, out on trails and, and just having a good time. Yeah, that's been one of the most fun parts for me about having this channel is just like meeting all kinds of new people that I wouldn't have been able to meet before. You know, it's just definitely, uh, it's fun. It's definitely fun. So, yeah. I mean, it's the same thing for you, probably, you know, going to a, an event and just getting to meet a lot of other people out there and go to new places and ride. And I think that if there's anything that I could tell to anybody out there, like definitely like don't just ride your local trails, man. Like look at the map and see how far it is for you to drive a couple hours and go somewhere and, if you can't afford it, go somewhere where you fly and rent a bike or take your bike. Like it's definitely, um, every trail is different, man. And it's like, even if it's, you know, if it's 10 minutes away from your favorite trail or it's freaking three States away or another country, you know, it's just, I think it's, it's a lot of fun to be had out there. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. And you know, it's cool. Yeah. Some of my, some of my best friends actually, uh, they're, uh, Fazari customers. Um, yeah. just, coming in and you know getting to know them and you know become become better friends with them through that ironically so which is which is pretty cool yeah totally i mean just i mean even a handful of people that i hang out on the on the regular with now are like people that i met through my channel so i mean it, it it's definitely i think that's the thing about mountain bikes that i like i just i just like the uh i like the the attitude of the people you know everybody's yeah. kind of got this like I don't know. I don't want to be stereotypical. Everybody's pretty laid back though. And yeah. I just I feel, know. I feel lucky and, and feel kind of, kind of grateful that, uh, um, you know, there's, there's people out there that are willing to, to trust us and buy, buy product from us that, you know, allows me to, to have my dream job. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Totally. Making bikes. 
Did you do uh, some kind of like big social media push this year or anything like that? that like contributed to all, all the extra sales or you just think it's just a matter of like, finally the word has started to spread. Um, I think the word has really spread. Uh, I think it's really, a lot of it's been new product. Mm-hmm. Um, our product's been good in years past. Um, and I think just here this, this last year, all the new product that we have launched introduced has really just made things explode for us. So you think that's like um, you guys hired some new engineers or something like that that really helped out, or it's like you just finally like re- refined the process well enough, or? Uh, you probably yes, yes. <laughs> you know, it, you know it, it came down to it, it's uh, taking some new risks that we hadn't yeah. taken previously. Um, you know, going out on limbs, trying a few different things. You know, it's really it. You know, the whole magic thing is just pulling levers, man. And it's, right. it's what combination to pull levers and how far, right? right. Um, and, and you know, we got, uh, you know, we feel, we'll feel fortunate to be able to, to have some success. And we are doing everything we possibly can to, to back that up, not only with the product, but, you know, what's coming over the next few years. Um, you know, we're, we're not interested in being a one-hit wonder. Yeah. Um, and, and I don't think we're going to be. Yeah, no, it doesn't seem that way. I've definitely seen your name pop up a lot more and a lot of people, I mean, just people that I know, like riding your bike. Uh, There's another YouTuber on here earlier, JC Trails. He said to say what's up to you that he's digging his new bike. Um, Yeah. And uh, I I know that guy's a ripper. So he, and he was also very, very big on the the specialized bandwagon. So for him him to be sitting on one of your bikes, I'm impressed. (laughs) I saw an Instagram video of him. That, that dude can rip. I, uh, I hope I hope he comes and visits us sometime and and uh, yeah he's, to, to enjoy some travel with him. He's a super fun guy. I don't see why and he travels a lot too for his job, so he, he gets kind of lucky. I'm jealous of that dude. He's got the he's got the right right gig there. Um, so uh, we're wrapping up, man. Freaking two hours here, just about. And um, I can't say thanks to you enough, dude. Like I really appreciate you you taking the time to sit down and chat. And I, uh, it was cool we bumped into each other at in Sedona. I don't always get yeah. to meet everybody that uh, that I chat with on here, so it was cool to to meet somebody in real life. I'll definitely. <laughs> are you gonna be at, you're gonna be at Sea Otter? Yeah, I'll be at Sea Otter. Yep. Sweet. Well, I'll, I'll definitely bump into you down there for sure. Um, yeah, sure, it's gonna be busy. I've never been there. It's just like, I'm my assumption is is like the inner bike of like mountain biking though right it, yeah it's it's turned into a massive outdoor trade show yeah um, so instead of like uh you know a whole bunch of different colored carpet you get to be outdoors there's racing going on there's people riding their bikes yeah. not only like you see the biggest the biggest pros um but every, there's there's every style of racing in every category you know, yeah it's, my first time racing was at sea otter you know that happens all the time and um, you know, there's always new product releases happening and it's just a fun, fun, fun a- atmosphere. It's yeah. on the racetrack at Laguna Seca. So it's fun just to be there and see all of that. You know, you've probably yeah. played it in every video game out there, um, <laughs> you know, so it's, it's just a fun festival, fun event. Um, and everybody's just, you know, it's, it's there because of bikes. So that's super a lot of fun. cool. 
Well, I appreciate it, Tyler. Everybody that's been been hanging out with us for the last two hours, I appreciate that as well. I uh, saw a few super chats up there. Appreciate the support, guys. Definitely, um, definitely keep that keep that coming because uh, I got a beer habit that I need you to support. <laughs> Just kidding. That's the that definitely helps though. Keep the the channel together. I appreciate it. Um, subscribe and support. That's one of those things that I'm supposed to say because if I don't, the channel doesn't grow. And then I'm not happy because I like seeing it grow. It makes me happy to see the channel grow. So definitely, if you if you get if you're if you're one of those lurkers that's just listening here and there and not not hitting subscribe, hit that button. Uh, same thing goes if you listen to this as a podcast. That would be awesome to me if you stop by like the Apple Podcast and just wrote a review. Um, I actually go through and read them all because I'm. I don't know. I just like, like reading them. I think it's fun. And uh, so it also helps the the podcast grow, which is, is has been doing very well since we started. So um, if you can, if you can have a few minute minutes to do something like that, that'd be awesome. I really appreciate it. Everybody uh, will be here next week. Like we are every Sunday at 5 PM PST. And I can't remember who it is. It's on next week. I'm already screwing up so um let's see if i can if i can just go ahead and and uh just uh fumble on my words for a second to figure out who it is up oh, there it is so next week i have a pro rider kyle warner um he's going to be on the show so that'll be a fun conversation i actually met that guy in my garage because i bought a bike from craigslist from this dude and uh and that's that's kind of a funny story of how, how i ended up meeting him so anyways Appreciate everybody. Thank you very much. Remember one thing and one thing only. It only takes a bike to be a biker. So get out and be one. <laughs>